Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Uh, once again, I'm Bradley and I'm joined by Stu. And before I let him get a word in, I do apologise for any background noises or anything this time. Nothing to do with the kids, it's to do with the bloody heat. So I've got windows open, there's a fan going and downstairs we're also having work done. So there might be a, a fair amount of background noise unless Stu can work his magic. So Stu, can you work your magic later? No, I can't be bothered. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the uh, I'm the puddle of sweat that used to be Stu. Uh, it's just ridiculously hot. And I can't get this room cool without having like 16 fans going at the same time. So I've opted to sit here and melt for the benefit of our are they are they all RGB and inside your PC or these like like fans as we used to know what fans were? Yeah, the the latter. Yeah, no, the ones inside the PC are far more important than I am, so they they have to stay. I'm surprised no one's actually there. You go. That's a marketing thing for you. Your RGB external desktop fans or whatever. I'm sure that already exists, but if it doesn't, that's our money maker right there. Absolutely, our first the, million. Yeah, the mental health gaming RGB uh, room fan. So, yeah, but we'll, we'll come on to sort of other bits in a bit. But we'll start off with, I, I'm, I'm going to hold, because obviously I've been playing something very new for me. But what have you been playing, Stu? Something old, ironically enough. All we so, need now uh, is something borrowed and something blue. <laughs> there aren't very, well, I, I'm sure there are a lot of blue video games, but I've not played them, all that hentai <laughs> crap. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I'll start with the the stuff that I've been playing and that we talked about in the past. So, finished off Death Stranding, which was marvellous. I'm not ashamed to say that it made me cry at the end, and, and that wasn't just because of the length of the cutscenes. Uh, it was uh, very moving. The story is, as you'd expect from Kojima, is, is messy and it's the same plot, plot points are repeated over and over again because he doesn't know how to edit himself. But the core story of it is very moving. It, it ties into sort of family and heritage and inheritance and emotional weight and baggage and things like that. And it doesn't expand it to cover too much. It's about the core set of people in the game. And you actually end up being bothered about them, which doesn't happen in games very often. So that hit me on an emotional level. I won't do any spoilers, but it's definitely worth having a go if you've been on the fence. Other than that, I've been playing um, Eastern Exorcist, which I mentioned last week, which is this Soulsborne 2D game. And uh, at the moment, I'm just sort of pinging back and forth across the map. It's got this thing where I know that in like the the traditional 3D Soulsborns things, you kind of, yeah, you go forward and you, you die, you fail, and then you move forward and you try and pick different routes and you, you unlock all these ways of, you know, opening up the map. This has gone for a more, okay, the all, we're going to reuse these assets. That You go to this point, a villager asks you to do something, so you go to this other point on the map. And I'm not sure how well that works in this kind of a game because you th I'm sitting there thinking... This looks lovely. The, the fighting mechanics are fantastic, really sharp. The parry system's excellent, and it all feeds into itself very well. And even though it's difficult, you get a sense of accomplishment from it, especially yeah. with the graphics being so fantastic. But you, I can't help thinking, well, if they just turn this into a, an action game where you just went from point A to point B and had levels, and each level had a different art style, instead of you seeing the same stuff over and over again till the beautiful work 
starts to become unappreciated because you spent six hours in it. I can't help thinking that would have been a much better way of doing things. Yeah. So I'll carry on playing that and um, we'll see whether it, it switches up gears. But at the moment, in the gear that it's in, it's it's wasting itself. It's wasting its opportunity, uh, in my opinion. But there you go. So, uh, yeah, go on. Just to, to come on to that, do you, do you think we've hit this sort of problem with many games now whereby there's always complaints about length. So you'll get a game that does a mechanic really well. And to get the best out of it, that could be maybe a three-hour game, for example. That That's the sweet spot for that particular mechanic. Um, but to not get as much backlash because of why am I paying £15, £20 for a three-hour game or whatever, they are extending it to be eight to ten hours just so they're not losing for the right reason i suppose not losing sales or getting just constant review bombed because the game is a 40-hour epic is that the sort of thing that you're seeing there i think the temptation to just go okay so we've got x amount of content because we're you know a team of two or three people so we can't have an infinite amount the temptation to go well if i make it a game where you have to keep going back to previous areas and then just have an incremental stat increase the, the pressure to do that must be immense because then you can market it as like you say a 10-hour game and i think in this case it'll probably end up being oh, i don't know 20 maybe because i've yeah. played oh, what two hours of it two and a half possibly and it has been in exactly the one area so far uh, and, and that's it you know yeah apart that's me being a bit crap and going back over and over again but that's what these games are you know that's what Soulsborne games are meant to do so yeah. Yeah, I think there's. I think some companies use it really, really well, and it's not an issue. In the case of this, I just see it as like, like the, the just very briefly the the area that I'm on, I'm on is like uh, all fishing villages, and it's got this misty background with very hazy sunshine, lots of greys and greens, and it looks really mysterious and attractive and appealing, but a little bit threatening. Um, but that's all I'm seeing. And if they had the next level where you're in, you know, a larger village with a, a glorious sunset, say, or one with a load of rain and lightning in the background, just those little things, those aesthetic touches would drive you through so much yeah. better. And more importantly, the way that it plays, it, it's fast paced and the enemies are well drawn and have different characteristics in their attacks. So if we, if I wasn't fighting the same ones of them over and over and over again, and had moved on to a different level, that would be so much better for me, I think. Fair enough. Yeah. I've got a couple more, but I'll, I'll leave them till after you've talked about your recent revelation. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be the longest or most in-depth because I've played a grand total of one game so far. But I, I, for reasons that will become clear in a bit, I have now got myself a VR unit, a PSVR to be more precise never tried vr before unless you count back in the what the 90s those massive headset tank games or whatever you could get in the arcades i can't remember what those were i don't know if those count or not but i've i've, I've not tried in-home vr or, or anything like that um, so i've always wanted to um when i spoke about tetris effect previously it was like i've got to try it in vr so I, i've managed to get myself a unit Got it set up last night. That's a ball lake. But I got it set up and I gave Resident Evil 7 
a quick blast just to just to see what it all was about because that was installed and i had to had my headset on already and i didn't want to then get up and go and find it get the disc for tetris effect because my son had taken it out of the machine anyway wow is all i can say to my very first hour in vr it is just wow i've never been dismissive of it uh, because i get how much people love it but it was very hard to picture just how impressive vr can be it doesn't help that a lot of vr showcases are i'm sure these are good games are things like beat saber or or glorified connect adventure type games they're the ones you see like peddled out and that kind of put me off um so i'm really glad i started with resident evil because it starts off when you well, obviously once you set it up and you're trying to get into the game, your, your screen is very static and you're you're looking. You can see you're looking at a screen. You can obviously you're moving your head around and, and all things like that. It's very static, and then you get to the point where you're finally put into the character's eyes, and the first thing that hits you is, "Wow, this looks like I'm actually in this world to a degree." It's like, "Wow, it's all like that." You can see the depth, even with my only one good eye, I could see the depth. Which makes me, I've got to look up the difference between the way uh, the 3DS does 3D and the way like VR does 3D because I can I can't see 3D on the 3DS. But anyway, so I've sort of moved forward a bit, and the sense of depth is all really really good. Uh, there seems to be a sort of like really good depth of field as well. So the bits that were further in front of me, where I struggled to see anyway, looked like a bit a bit more blurry than the stuff that was really close, but not overly so. Really impressed by that, and then. The first time I turned my head fully to look at something behind me, I just knew then it was like, wow, okay, I've been missing out. That that moment of turning round and seeing what you've just walked past, and that is exactly what's there. And it, you can see the distance things, or you can see how exactly how far you've travelled, and all things like that was really great. And the sense of being in that world just blew me away. Uh, now resi doesn't scare me i'm not that scared of resi but there's that sense with these with the earbuds in and being there i was a lot more on edge than i was when i originally played it but one of the bits that really struck me was i was walking through a, a hallway and there was a bit of low-hanging timber and as i came close to it my natural instinct was to put my hat my head my hand out to try and protect my head and duck under it and that sort of like all of a sudden, went, what am I doing? I know this isn't real, but it's it feels real. It looks it looks computer generated. It looks like a game, but the the way VR makes the world around you feel real is just outstanding. And I was even sort of getting to the point where, when I was walking through a door, and I knew what could potentially happen was I was peering. I was I was moving my head and I was peering around the door, and. I know games try to replicate that sort of thing with controls, but they can't. But that actual moving and peering around the door with your own head in a natural way just felt amazing. So I didn't get that far into the game. Um, I think I got to like the second save point where you're told to go to the attic and I kind of left it there because it was hot and late. But it's justified my purchase already. I can't wait to try a couple of racing games in there definitely i mean tetris is a, a must no man's sky is going to be there and everyone's advising me that astro bot is a must play but yeah my first experiences of the heart are just outstanding 
Yeah, yeah. It's a brave step into a whole new world. It's, it's uh, like you said, you, it's almost impossible to describe, especially as you, when you say to people, oh, you know, it's, it is like stepping into a, a, a new world. And then people try and think, well, you know, they, they equate it with, well, the graphics aren't ever going to make me think that I'm not, you know, in a game. And it's like, yeah, but that's not the point. The point is that you are fully within a new world. And it's that's the thing. That's the thing that's the really key to it all, is that it's an experience that isn't like anything else. So it's not like be playing a normal game on a, on a telly. It's not like playing, um, like you said, the 3DS, where it's got depth into the screen. It's everything is around you yeah. at all points. And it just, it, yeah, it does feel like it's... Uh, a completely new world and a new experience. Yeah, and let's say with me, like in real life, my peripheral vision on my right side is is good, but on the left side, it's like almost non-existent because of the reduced vision I've got um, in my in my eye. Um, and it was like that in VR. I had to turn more to the left physically to see what was out my left hand side, but I could get I could actually glance on my right hand side. And see what was there, uh, and it's just yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really, it's, it's it's very hard to explain. And apparently, Wipeout, I've got to try, but I'm wondering if that might be the game that might make me feel sick. It's worth getting your VR legs. So the the, the easiest was you've actually gone a bit further ahead, but you didn't seem to have any trouble, so that's great. But things where you sat in a cockpit are a good. This is just for you and for everybody, really. Yeah. Generally, if you've never experienced it, anything where you're static in a cockpit is a good one to try. So you would think that Wipeout would make you sick. And it might do a little bit because there's a lot going on, but there's an option to have, you know, sitting in the cockpit with all of the furniture around you. And because you've got that reference point in your middle vision, it, yeah. it doesn't make you feel like the whole world is just tilting around all the time. Um, so that and stuff like Ace Combat and anything else where you're in a cockpit is a good training wheels. And then something where your walk speed when you're in a walking game isn't too fast like resi is is good and anything that has um like teleport options as well so it's just the ones where you you basically use the move controller to point to a spot and press a button and you are instantly there is a way of making you not feel too sick and i think it has that in no man's sky as well so um yeah yeah they're, they're a good way in so the one thing I, I, I can't do, first of all is ace combat vr not the whole game there's four i think four vr missions are they separate or do you need to like play through them as they come? They're separate and they're available from the start. So I can lend you that. I've got that. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to try, try that because that, that feels like that is, that's the sort of game VR feels like it's made for is sitting in a, in a fighter jet and just being able to look around you full Top Gun style. Yeah, it's absolutely um, fun. It works so well. It does um, work so well. I think it must work best with safety because the one thing that I couldn't quite get my head around properly and I'm guessing there's a reason for do this, doing this to stop motion sickness or headaches and stuff like that. Is the 30 degrees of movement. Um, that kind of weirded me out a little bit in Resi, where you move your stick left or right and it moves about 30 degrees. And then obviously you need to keep, it kind of re-centers you. That just didn't feel natural. Now, I'm sure there's a reason why it's not smooth movement. But yeah, that, that was the sort of thing that, weirds me out and i can see the issues they've got with trying to get body movement working within vr yeah so what what you normally have in more recent games because 
Resi 7 is actually a few years old now, mm. unbelievably. Um, it, what you have in the more recent ones is is they tend to give you the option. So it tends to be you can have uh, a, a 30 or a 40, 45 degree instant snap movement, or you can have, you know, full full motion movement. And I think in that they were like, oh, God, you know, how do we stop people throwing up or limit them to this? And yeah. now they're like, well, we can't just go now that people, some people are used to it, fully smooth movement because it'll still make others chuck up. So they've kind of just put it in the options in, in a lot of games so that you get to choose yourself. So in the more modern ones, you'll find that, yeah, you, you get the option yourself to choose. Op- options are good always. If people do want to go and go full-blown with it, then that's good. And I say, if I try it and it makes me feel sick, then I'm quite happy to go, okay, yeah, I'll put up with the slight dissonance between what my body knows it can do and what it can actually take in VR. But, yeah, absolutely outstanding first experience. Um, and, yeah, trust me, next week I'll probably be talking about Tetris again. So if you're not a fan of Tetris, <laughs> you can probably skip forward my bits. Yeah, we'll have to put some markers in there, some bumpers, so people yeah. know. <laughs> oh, there you go. Brad's talking about Tetris again. You'd think that was the only game ever. Yeah. And, um, yeah, apart from that, I this week I've been playing some Dreamcast stuff. So a uh, little bit of background. I mean, you'll probably know by now that arcade-style games are my favourite types of games, really. And mm-hmm. of those, shoot 'em ups and beat 'em ups are, are pretty much my favourites. And... I decided to uh, use Redream, the emulator that plays Dreamcast games, and I've had that since it came out, and it's it's an amazing emulator. It's really weird that since we started the podcast in January, I've not really been playing any. I, I think I've just had such a backlog of games, I've not been able to get to the older stuff. But I yeah do- dove back in today, uh, uh, yesterday, and I've got a Apple seventeen-inch monitor from 1999 so it's like one of the last like top end really amazing apple crts yeah i got it for an absolute song it was like uh comparatively peanuts and it's beautiful and the resolutions for the nerds out there 1600 by 1200 it can do lower resolutions at 75 hertz so it's like it's really top end but you know uh, just great so i stuck that on i stuck redream on and i was playing Capcom versus SNK, uh, which yeah, which is obviously speaks for itself, and uh, Marvel versus Capcom two, and yeah, it's just lovely to dive back into it. The the brightness, the the sharp cartooniness, the high contrast, and all the colours and the ridiculous speed and how over the top everything is, and it's just one of those sensory overload experiences that you don't really get in what's the sort of AAA space. You still get them in, in smaller titles, but yeah, it's just designed to overwhelm and thrash your brain. And I just, yeah, thrashed my way through them. Just loved it. Yeah. There's something about going back um, and being able to play it almost in the way, almost the way it was intended. I've tried emulating games before by Raspberry Pi or just on the PC and stuff like that. And it loses something on a flat screen. And I'm not one of those that has to go, oh, you've got to play it in the old way only, otherwise it doesn't count, because I will still try to join. But there's still, yeah, there's something satisfying about playing a game designed for a CRT on a CRT. Yeah, definitely. There's a, a real charm to the way that they look and the combination of the glass screen and the uh, the, high, the 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 pin-sharp contrast that it has and the colour reproduction works so much better for those games. 
than it does on on flat screen. So yeah, yeah, a lovely thing to do, and the games hold up just as well now as they did back then, which is the important bit. Excellent. I will touch actually one other game I have been playing, and it's gonna jog uh, get me into making sure I actually get the review written as well. I've been playing Feria, if it's pronounced like that, the um, tactical card battle game that's been on PC for quite a while, I think. Um, that's just come to Switch. Um, I do still play my Switch, honestly, even since getting a PC. And been, I've been playing that, and that's a cracking game. I don't think we can officially review it yet, but it's a, yeah, a really good tactical... Like You've actually got to play the area you're in and uh, gain the most area within, within the uh, play space, as well as playing your cards to do your usual card fighting mechanics. And it just works really, really well. I'll say I'll have a proper review on that, but I just wanted to touch on that one because when that comes out officially on the Switch, it's definitely worth picking up. So by 2021, the only games you'll play are Tetris and, and Card Battlers. And in the checklist game, so roguelikes can go in there as well. Yeah, yeah fair play. Yeah, I'll say if it's got... I mean, I, I have an indie bingo card. If it makes at least a line or four corners, I'll play it. I know. I mean, and that kind of ties in a bit to the Eastern Exorcist thing of the flavour du jour, isn't it? It's like when the craft beer explosion happened a few years back and then there were craft breweries everywhere. It's like there's little indie studios making frantically working on a, a mashup of a roguelike and a card game as oh, we speak. I'm, I'm one of those who sits outside a micro pub judging everyone else going to the Weatherspoons, aren't I? You are. Yeah, I'm sorry to say it, but unfortunately, yeah, I'm probably not wearing a mask at the same time. <laughs> watching, watching everyone go to go go in and play the big AAA next big thing. You go to Shinuma, and I'm sitting there with just some little unknown indie that me and three other people are playing. Going, uh, yeah, I, they're not as good as me. Yeah, drinking a beer called Grandad's Tetrahedron or something. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, I don't drink, so I I, I, <laughs> I don't have to put up with the wanky beer names. Sorry for anyone that likes artisan beers and micro pubs, by the way. <laughs> each, honestly, each their own. If it makes you happy, it makes you happy, and that's all that counts. Indeed. Um, talking of being happy, if we're done with games chat. There you go, look, a little bit of space for you to stick your music in there as well. I like your little interlude. Um, yeah, it's, it's the best. <laughs> yeah. So you can keep that in with the, uh, with the, uh, over, with the uh, music over the top. But yeah, I've I as people as I spoke about before, I've been a graphic designer for, since it's all I've wanted to do since I was about thirteen years old. And when it came to making my choice, I wanted to be a graphic designer. Went through college, um, got pretty good grades actually in college, but could never go to university. Just wasn't able to afford it. But sort of so went almost from an early age. Went freelance, done bits and bobs, and done okay. And then gradually got to a point where, as I spoke about, I was being mistreated in terms of how I was being paid, what the work people wanted doing, how quick they wanted that work doing, always expecting me to be on call almost. And that. And over the years, I, I think I grew to resent graphic design. It played probably a large part in my depression because I trained to do just that. And I, as far as I was concerned, I was failing at graphic design i was failing at the career i trained to do and that became hard so the resentment was there but i knew i had to carry on doing it. it's all i knew um and that just led to 
my brain being broken. So I spoke about a couple of weeks ago now, I think it was, how I'm I'm now looking to a career change. I want to work in mental health, especially with kids, and realising as well, doing this as well, that I can talk about mental health. Laid off, put on universal credit because of coronavirus. That got me to thinking about what my position was now and can I make these these changes and that was it. I decided to make those changes, and that was really positive. However, there was a big anchor around my ankle that was holding me back, dragging me down, and that was my MacBook. Because of where it was on the sofa next to me, it was always there. If we'd watch a film, my MacBook was there, and I'd be like, "Someone's going to contact me in a minute. They're going to. I don't want to miss the chance of getting this bit of work. Or if I delay it, or or I annoy someone because I haven't responded straight away. You know, are they going to not offer me more work in the future? And it was just there, and I had to make a decision. And it's what led to me being able to get the PSVR. And there's always better ways to spend the money, but I, there had to be a bit of a trade-off. So I made a decision to sell my MacBook. Didn't get as much for it as I would have liked. And aside from the first thought of, like, kids are playing, like, Lucas is playing the Xbox. Edith's nabbed the PC because she's playing Fall Guys on the PC. And apparently it's her PC now, not mine. I went, oh, I'll stick some YouTube. Oh, bugger. I can't stick any YouTube on because I haven't got a laptop there for now. But then I didn't mind. I just sat there and watched my kids playing with their games. And that, that was fun in itself. And... You know, I'm learning that I just use the TV or the phone if I really want to watch something or read something. I don't need my laptop there. A couple of people who I've worked for and with came sort of like, oh, you really giving up graphic design? You know, yeah, I need to. I'm sorry. It's, you know, I've enjoyed doing stuff for you, like you guys. It's it's helped me out at periods, but I can't do it anymore. It's it's miserable. And the, the big thing with this I cannot remember the last time we as a family went away and I was able to switch off from work completely. Um, last time we went um, to see my partner's mum in Spain, I took my laptop and ended up working out there. As soon as someone messaged me, went, hi, Brad, you free? I need some work. Dude. I was like, yeah, 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 no, I can do that. I can do that. And I was never enjoying anything. And if I did try and enjoy something and switch off completely, I felt guilty. So then even though I'd gone, right, I'm switching off, all I'm thinking is I feel guilty because I've annoyed someone. So it's not an exaggeration as I look back now. This weekend, like the end of August, when we go away for a weekend to Liverpool, it's going to be the first time in about 15 years that I've gone on a break, gone on holiday or something like that, and don't feel guilty about it. That is such a huge weight off my shoulders and again i suppose almost like the vr thing it's very hard to convey just what that means unless you've experienced it your, yourself does that does that make sense to you Stu? completely i uh, i got the sense of levity and lightness when i was you know leaving my job even though i was being made redundant and yeah. it was just because of that freeing sense and it's not because i disliked the job and, and which is you know, dif- different from your situation but it was just because, yeah, I didn't have that as a concern anymore. And the thing that you've done of, of switching it off and just saying, no, that, that's it, I'm done with that. I'm going to do something that's more in line with what I really love and enjoy. 
that's brilliant, really freeing. And that it gives you the right to just ex, um, completely free yourself and enjoy your break uh, without any okay. without any guilt. And that's brilliant. And the best thing is as well, yeah, I was just going to say that um, it's brilliant that you you have a plan for what you want to do because that's the when you have that real passion for for wanting to go into a, a field that's the best way to succeed because you you'll you'll clamber over things obstacles that you know if if you didn't want to do it they'd look like 20 foot high walls but when you really want to do it they seem like 3 foot high bumps and you know you're straight over them so yeah no i i totally get it indeed and on that and again this is just going to be just a brief point on something i've touched upon before having that base there where i can go right i'm switching off for a couple of months just relaxing enjoying the family they're going to go back to school. So part of it is a month with the family doing whatever. Kids going to go back to school and a month of me time. And then I'm really going to seriously jump into doing it. And I can do that knowing that I can take a couple of risks and it's not going to mean no food on the table. It's not going to mean rent not being paid. So as I said, having that safety net, being able to make those make those jumps helps so, so much. And it's what led me to being able to sell the MacBook. You touched on, although didn't mean it like that when you said it, but I did enjoy graphic design. It's still something I really enjoy. I think I just grew to resent it, um, and that's the difference. I might find a passion for it again, and you know, I'm still willing to do bits like designing stuff for the site felt great, and someone needs some graphics doing for their Twitch channel, and I'm happy to do that even without charging. I don't actually care about that, so I still enjoy graphic design, but I think I just grew to resent what it meant to me in the end yeah uh, it's yeah it is important isn't it to decouple what you enjoy doing from what you have to do for for a living i think yeah even if you think oh my dream job would be you know an artisanal brewer just to go back to that one once yeah. it becomes a job it's a job and you know with all the the pain and the pleasure that brings so yeah no i totally I, get I, it I, happened to my son he, he's he was good he is good at baking um i don't think he ever really wanted to go and do it properly but he was good at baking and people tried his cakes and people started saying i'll buy a cake off you lucas and you know he was charging a couple of quid three quid for a, like a like lemon loaf cake and, and stuff like that and honestly they are super divine you could see the enjoyment came out of it we we stepped in and went lucas stop selling your cakes Stop letting people pay you for cakes. You, you're not enjoying it. It's becoming a job. He was like one of them. Yeah. He had about five, six people want a cake, and he spent like twelve hours in the kitchen. It's like that's not right. You could see he was like by like the time he'd done the second one, he was like, I just want to play the Xbox now. Yeah. So we stopped that, and it got something actually that I saw um, on Netflix the other night that was both one of the most inspiring, uh, but also had one of the most saddest statements I think I've ever heard. Um, there's a 40-minute documentary about uh, people who do Rubik's Cube tournaments. Um, there's two guys. One guy was like existing world record holder, world champion, stuff like that. And then this um, young autistic lad came in and started taking these records. It's about the friendship they built up, which was just lovely, absolutely lovely. It's a, I'll leave a link in the descriptions anyway because I can't remember what it's called without without checking. But give it a watch. And it really is inspirational watching this person with autism who struggles to communicate, using his passion to sort of like find ways to live normally, shall we speak, in, in inverted commas. But one statement that was made that made me feel really, really sad was someone turned around and said, the problem with uh, people who do Rubik's Cube competitively 
is when they hit adulthood, that's when they start to go down the rankings because they have to get a job. They need to then get a life, potentially, you know, find a partner, get, you know, get food on the table and they can't earn doing Rubik's Cube. And I thought, you know what? That is really sad that we live in a world where we, we love to celebrate you know the limit going beyond the limits of what is considered humanly possible you know that i can't remember his first name felix baumgartner who can jump from space like wow that's amazing we'll, we'll pour ourselves over that and going back to joe rogan's thing of like video games or waste of time blah 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 you know do do various martial arts that's that's better and they've got me say go why do we live in a world where if someone's good at rubik's cube good enough to be a world champion at rubik's cube that they can't earn a living from that, that we're still in a world where, no, you you stop doing that thing that you're really good at and you enjoy doing. Um, one of them, he, he's, he still does the circuit, but he's he's left to become a finance, like to work in finance. It's like, why? That's, that's not fair. Someone who is really good at something, that should be a way of being able to earn. And where I used to be quite dismissive of YouTubers and streamers, and the money they would earn. I'm at that point now. I'm going, do you know what? No, good for you. Good for you. If you're earning a living, being able to do something you love, and you love doing it because you're good at it, then great. Without the pressure of what comes with everyday work. And that's what set me off and made my final decision, which was I'm done with graphic design. I want to do, I want to work in mental health. I want to help other people. I want to make sure other kids don't go through what I went through, or at least they've got a way of being able to deal with it. Um, but yeah, it's if you get a chance, that's just the weirdest plug for a documentary on Netflix ever. But if you get a chance, do watch it. I've had my eye on that and I'm definitely going to give it a go. Yeah. If you I, can identify that thing that you love and parlay that into something else, then that, that, you know, that's the best scenario really i think and uh yeah it's a shame that people with autism aren't given that similar opportunity i would hope that over the years um now that it's it's much more of an understand understood part of everyday life opportunities will come along that are much more suited and much more understood so yeah hopefully that's where i'm just rambling now but yeah hopefully that's the future it's people doing what they want no matter what they want no i think you're right as well it's um I'm not going to lie and say I've been guilty of this as well, um, but it's due to conditioning of what we consider actual mental health. In the local, one of our local costas, there's a, a lad who works in there and he's got Down syndrome. I think most of his job is he cleans the tables, um, washes and, you know, helps out there. Um, but he's got that job. Um, and he gets respect for it people like they know who he is and they'll say hi and all things like that and he's treated he's treated differently but in that nice way that people do if that makes sense yeah i've been to another one where i know someone who works there and they are autistic but because people seem to assume with levels of autism is you've, you, you you've got to be really extreme he doesn't get it. So when he has moments of, and I've seen people do it, where when he has moments where he needs to pause for a few seconds to gather his thoughts, to work out what he's question, what questions he are, he's asking, or he can't quite look at people and stuff like that. I've seen people complain about him, and it's kind of like that's what something I don't want to see happen, and that's something I I struggle with, and 
I learned I learned to adapt and I was lucky to adapt. But it's um it's a shame that we still only see people based on their physical appearances and we're we are a long way off, I think, from allowing people to do what they're good at, what makes them feel comfortable to better their lives. Everything is still better in the lives of those on top. And it is just a sad, sad indictment of where we are. It is. Um to end on a hopeful note, though, I yeah, think... Yeah, sorry, that wasn't meant to be, because it's meant to be a positive <laughs> one, because I'm, I'm in a good place, so... <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, <laughs> it is just picking up the threads of what you were saying, because everything yeah. you're saying, you know, is very positive, because it's the, the acknowledgement that the things that people love, generally, like 99.9% .9 of the time, not only don't hurt others, but when they're done well, they enrapture and encourage others. And yeah, when you interact with somebody who's doing the things that they really want to do, the joy that they have in what they do makes you your life better. And, yeah. you know, you, you get that in certain things. Like, I'm a bit biased because I used to work in one myself, but bookshops. So, uh, yeah, you'll get the odd snotty bookseller. But generally, they're, they're, you know, they're very nice and they're very helpful and knowledgeable. And that's generally because it doesn't pay well if you work in book selling, it's normally because you love it and you love books and you have a lot of knowledge and that comes across in the interactions and you can ask them a question. And if they don't know the answer, they'll probably know somebody who does. And any interaction like that is, is like a world away from, you know, like Mackey's or Curry's or something where, you know, the poor person, unfortunately is just doing it because they're forced into something that, that is going to give them a wage and they don't, there's no specialist knowledge there. And, you know, it's just something that they have to do. Yeah. And that's the, the, the path society pushes in, into. And if we can just acknowledge that it's far better if people are doing what they love, it's just a far, a far better place to live. And it, it comes back as well to what you, what you're saying about people with you know autism or down syndrome or anything that people don't consider, you know, just part of the run of, run of the mill day. It's like, well, you know, People with different conditions should just be part of your run-of-the-mill day. And that we need to make sure that our children are brought up thinking like that. And I actually think they probably are, certainly a lot more than I was when I was a kid. So I think that's a positive as well. It's Yeah, I, I think it is going to come, maybe not for our generation, but uh, maybe not even the next generation fully, but the generation after that. It's the same way as uh, I don't blink twice or look twice when I see a couple together where one is black, one is white, or they're both men, both women, or whatever. I don't think twice, because our generation grew up with, on the whole, again, because I know some people turn around and go, well, I've seen so-and-so say this. On the whole, we've become accepted of people just do people. Do, do what you want. If you're gay, you're gay. If you're straight, you're straight. If you, you know, it doesn't matter where you're from, who you are, if you love somebody, that's fine. And we've, on the whole, become, we accept that. And my hope now is that for my son, with his autism um, and any kids he may have, that they will just be, people won't even look at them as autistic in a way. It's just, well, that's just who they are. We won't, tr we won't need to make special compensations for them because it's already in place at a societal level so that that's so but i think that is coming that is changing and the way that will will only happen is because of the crap that's being pumped at everyone at the moment through the world 
and our kids are a lot more aware of how badly we've all treated not just the world as a physical thing but everyone within that world they are learning and they will want a better world and i think there's going to be an uprising from them that the current establishments they've never handled before so there's a positive note yeah yeah definitely really i think i feel like a modern day wolfie smith at times sorry you feel like you're on what I feel like I'm on what? No, I said I feel like a modern day Wolfie Smith sometimes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think I'm on anything. Reference for the youngest, the younger <laughs> section of the audience. Always do that at football. Like yeah. trying to teach the kids like so look, if you do this and you do this, and, uh, and I'm like, so you do it like Kenny Dalgleish used to say, and they look at me and go, Oh, with that you just like reference, and they're like, Jesus. You're an old man. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I am now, aren't I? I'm not, I'm not cool anymore. I never was, but. Yeah, you forget, like, when you were a kid, anything older than about a year was, like, the d- dusty, distant past. You're so sad, Mum. What do you mean you don't know about this new? F- oh, yeah, now that's me. <laughs> Bugger. <laughs> this used to all be fields. Yeah. Yeah, no, on, on the whole, it's, you know, it's been a really good week. As usual, please join our Discord. Um, we're getting more and more people on there all the time. Use it for whatever. Want to talk about mental health? Fine. If you want to break from things and you want to chat about games, films, TV, books, what the weather's like, that knobhead at the supermarket who got in your way, all of that's there. Join, join us. One of the least judgy communities I think I've ever been part of. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. If you want to support us, you can do so via coffee or Patreon. We'll sort out that Patreon properly one day, so um, to actually make it enticing for you. And obviously Twitter, YouTube, we're on Twitch now. The, the schedule has been set up, and that should hopefully be more in place over the coming weeks and months. But again, yeah, thank you for listening. That's been episode 28. I've been Bradley, been joined by Stu, and until next time.